There is nothing wrong with your podcatcher. Do not attempt to adjust the feed. We are controlling the bitstream. We control the encoding. We can mispronounce names. We can consume alcoholic beverages. For the next half hour, we will control all that you read and discuss. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support. everyone. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And we're very happy to have Sam Maggs on the show. Sam Maggs is a best-selling author of books, comics, and video games. She's been a senior games writer, including work on Marvel Spider-Man, author of many YA and middle-grade books, and a comics writer. She's also an on-air host for networks like Nerdist, and her latest YA book, Unstoppable Wasp, Built on Hope, came out July 14th. She also has another book out called Conquest this summer as well. Sam Maggs, what can't you do? Oh my goodness. I you should follow me around everywhere. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Busy summer. Yeah, I I have to say maybe not exactly how I pictured these two book releases going, but you know what? Mm. We're making the best of it. <laughs> sure, sure. I think that's our common refrain uh, these days. So <laughs> so tell us about Unstoppable Wasp Built on Hope. Yeah, sure. So the book follows the adventures of Nadia Van Dyne, who has taken on the mantle of the wasp from her stepmother, the original wasp, Janet Van Dyne. Uh, She was raised in the Red Room, much like Black Widow, to be an assassin and has now immigrated to to America and is leading her own lab of all teen girl female scientists. Uh, which is super fun. Nadia is very optimistic. She wants to be the very best at everything. She wants to be the best friend, the best scientist, the best superhero, the best driver, the best everything she possibly can be, but realizes very quickly that it's not really possible to do all of the things she wants to do at the very top of her game and so turns to technology to help her and you know, that doesn't always go well when we're talking about artificial intelligence. You know, <laughs> things are bound to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's Nadia's story in a nutshell. And it sounds like she's a little bit uh, violence adverse. Yeah, it's funny. You know, she was raised and trained as an assassin, but she would much rather be friends with everyone. She was raised in like the worst possible circumstances, but she's this exceptional eternal optimist who wants to think the best of everyone, find the best in every situation instead of it you know, making her kind of more like Natasha, like Black Widow, who mm-hmm. ended up being kind of like, everybody sucks. <laughs> I hate everybody. Like, this is the worst. Nadia went like the opposite direction. And I am someone who is kind of a deep cynic. So I wish I was more like Nadia. <laughs> I try to take that from her a little bit. I love that. And I love the like STEM positive focus. Like that's, that's amazing, especially for getting young girls excited about science and technology um, and being assassins, I guess. Yeah, yeah um, sure. <laughs> so, that's the Thank steam. You. That's steam. Instead of art, it's assassins. <laughs> you know what? Given all the stuff that's been going on in tech, it's not like totally out of line. I guess. Assassinate no, ignorance. Assassinate, it is great. Yeah. And the comics, this book picks up directly from the Unstoppable Wasp comics. There's only two volumes um, by Jeremy Whitley. So if you haven't had the chance to read them, totally recommend you check them out. But Nadia gets involved with making this lab because she comes to New York City and discovers that uh, 
S.H.I.E.L.D. has put out its list of 100 smartest people in the world, and the first woman doesn't appear on the list until number 27. And she's, like, livid about it. And so she's like, I'm just going to find all the best teen girl scientists myself. And she does, which is great. (laughs) I love that. That feels very current. It does, doesn't it? Yes. It super does. And I'm curious, I think a lot of people may, may not even still have wrapped their heads around, this is a prose novel, but it is a sequel to a graphic novel, right? Yes. Yeah, so it is a prose novel set in the Marvel Universe in continuity. They've done a few of these now. There's a great Loki book, a couple great Black Widow books that I totally recommend you pick up, a Shuri book, a Miles book. This is like those. It is a YA book all written in prose, and it's really fun because... The benefit of writing for prose as opposed to a graphic novel is that you get a lot of spend a lot of time with the characters sort of in their interiority with their thoughts. You know, what emotional toll does it take on you as a superhero? What does it feel like to shrink from five feet tall to five centimeters tall? Like we get to go, we take a little more time with all of that where graphic novels or comics are very action focused. Um, So you you don't get so much of that sort of like inner monologue necessarily as you get to do with prose. It also makes writing the action scenes a lot more difficult because Mm. with comics, you have the benefit of an artist who is very talented, um, taking whatever your words are and making them very dynamic. Same within the movies, but writing a Marvel movie action scene in a prose novel, that was definitely a challenge. That's really interesting. I love that that kind of interplay between the two different types of of writing that you can do for for superheroes, for action heroes, being able to have that much more interior view of what they're thinking about and kind of getting to dive more into that side of things like the the narration and and what's going on inside their minds versus those super intense action scenes which are a lot harder to explain in, in that scenario. I love that. I, I never really thought about that before. Yeah, it's an interesting balance because you want those action scenes to be quick, dynamic, full of action, full of movement. But then you also want to stop and take a second to say like, when, you know, a superhero is using their powers, what does that feel like? What does that make them think? What are they thinking about when they do it? Do they think? Is it, you know, instinctual? Um, All of these different questions you ask. And with Nadia's book, We have a lot of real science in the book as well. We consulted with a lot of scientists and clinical Mm. psychologists um, to sort of explain in the most real world terms possible um, what exactly is happening and how when these people use their powers, because Nadia is a scientist, very important. She wants to educate people. She wants everyone to understand what's going on. Um, So I kind of had to uh, become a science communicator for that, too, Mm. but while still keeping it dynamic and action focused. So, yeah, (laughs) definitely a challenge. (laughs) Well, let's jump into some of our listener questions. Um, our first one comes from uh, Sword and Laser listener Richard's daughter, who says, how did you break into the comic business? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so actually, I started out by writing for the internet. So I wrote for a website for a really long time that focused on geek girls and like women in geek culture. And from there, I managed to get a literary agent who had seen my work online and I published several nonfiction books. So I had written um, three or four, I think, nonfiction books. Uh, and I was I was writing for a video game company at that time as well. When I got approached by an editor at IDW, which is a comic book company I still write for, I write Marvel Action Captain Marvel for them as well as other stuff. And they kind of an editor there very kindly gave me a chance, and she asked if I wanted to write a short sort of half issue as part of an anthology 
Um, and it was with her help and mentorship that I was able to learn, you know, how to write a comic. And I, so I kind of got into it through other forms of writing, but I will say for people who are looking to get into comics now, there really is no better time to do it. Uh, even up to five years ago, there were still a lot of gatekeepers in the industry. You had to know people. You had to, you know, be like me and have done other work or whatever. But that's not the case anymore. If you want to make a comic, um, if you're good at art or if you're a writer and you have a friend who's good at art, make something and put it online. You know, I got my agent by writing and putting stuff online, put it on Instagram, put it on Tumblr, put it on Twitter, put it on any of the myriad social media channels, and you will build an audience because. There is still a void, I think, in comics uh, for a large audience of people that don't feel like they're being catered to. So your voice is really important. Everyone has their own story to tell. And I really encourage you to go ahead and make the thing that you want to make. It'll get you noticed. We have a, uh, a question that kind of goes from that to the next phase. Uh, and, and there's two questions here, one from Jan and one from Richard, but they're very similar. Jan wants to know what the differences are in writing for comics versus games versus novels. Uh, and Richard wants to know if any, if you find any of them more difficult than others and if you have a favorite. Oh, these are great questions. I actually have a whole hour long PowerPoint presentation <laughs> that I give to like uh, schools and libraries and stuff about the differences between all three. So I could expound on this like endlessly. But amazing. Yes, they are very different. And I think the major different co difference comes down to the number of people working on each project. So with a novel, it is still collaborative, especially when you're working on other people's intellectual properties. So like working with Marvel, you know, I have an editor and I have the folks at Marvel that look everything over to make sure that I'm staying within continuity, within character, that they're happy with everything. But really, at the end of the day, it's just you sitting down and writing your novel. It's, ve it's a very solitary process, I would say comics on the other hand you get a couple more people involved at that point and it's a little more truly collaborative where it's you and your editor going back and forth but then you're also involving um your illustrator your artist a colorer a letterer um all of these different people who are very very talented and at the top of their own games who take whatever words you have in the script and elevate them really to that next level add their own touch to them uh which is so much fun it just it makes my work so much better <laughs> I think with all these other talented people working on it. And then video games take that to the next degree where you are now working with teams that can be anywhere from 300 to 1500 people um, all work trying to make the same story, trying to make the same product. Um, but you're also working within a lot of technical constraints. So I have to worry about like what engine am I making or am I breaking the game in? You know, what is the gameplay technically? How many characters can be on a screen at once what can they do with each other what can they not so you have a lot more constraints there i do kind of like writing within constraints that's why i like writing for intellectual property but mm -hmm. it can get complicated with that many people so my favorite is comics and graphic novels for me it kind of hits that sweet spot of just the right amount of collaboration <laughs> Excellent. Um, we're going back to the comics a little bit here again uh, from Louie, who says, in the comics, Nadia, like her father, struggles with her mental health. Is that something the novel addresses? And if so, what were the challenges depicting that struggle in a YA novel? 
absolutely it's something we touch on in the novel. So for those of you who don't know, Nadia's, the second volume of Nadia's really focuses on the fact that she discovers that she has bipolar disorder, much like her father, Hank Pym. Hank was not managing his bipolar. He did not treat it. Um, Nadia does. She discovers that she has it uh, in the in the comics. And so it was something that we really wanted to incorporate in the book because I think that a lot of teens, but also a lot of people in general have mental health issues or struggle with their mental health. I have anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. I've seen a therapist for years. I think everyone in the world would be better off if they had easy access to a therapist and especially superheroes because they see some stuff like they go through it. (laughs) There's no reason they shouldn't be seeing a therapist. So Nadia in the novel does see her therapist on several occasions. And we did consult with a a real clinical psychologist who has a lot of experience working with people who do have bipolar disorder. So there's a lot of real world techniques and, and lessons and support systems and things that Nadia does to sort of keep her um, bipolar disorder in a place that is manageable. I wouldn't say the book is about Nadia having bipolar disorder. Um, Nadia's bipolar disorder is just one of many things that makes up who she is. She's a superhero. She has bipolar disorder. She doesn't know how to drive. She loves baked goods. Like it's just one of these many things that make her who, th- who she is. But it was important that we address it because you know we destigmatizing mental health and medication and therapy and all that stuff is is a big deal. I think. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm so glad to 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 hear that that's that's the way it's presented because mental health shouldn't yeah. define you. Uh, it is just an aspect of you. I have anxiety problems myself that I uh, get treated mm-hmm. for, yeah. and and yet I Me don't too. you know yeah. go around saying that <laughs> that's who I am. It's just an aspect, like any other disease or sometimes. anything that you have to get treated for. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. That, that's great, and and that. That makes sense. It, it, you want to see that representation of like, oh, yeah, Nadia, I totally get that. I've been there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll maybe help people feel better um, if they have stuff that they're going through, too. You know, we all do. Louis uh, also wants to ask if you have a favorite member of the Girl Squad to write for. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yes. So Nadia's Nadia's laboratory is called Girl Genius in Action Research Labs. Um, and, you know, her team is the Girl Squad. Uh, I really like writing for Ying, uh, who is a member of the Girl Squad, who is also raised in the Red Room like Nadia, uh, because Ying has this like really dark, macabre, like kind of deeply messed up sense of humor where she'll just like say really like dark, horrible stuff and like nobody really laughs at it, but she thinks it's <laughs> hilarious. And I I personally think that is hilarious. Um, and in the book, she's because they were raised in this like Soviet training facility, they missed all of pop culture. So Ying is trying to catch up on 90s movies, which was also <laughs> very fun to <laughs> have her go through. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, oh, I love me some good 90s movies. Yes. So Chris says, um, this is a, a special message. Uh, Hi, I'm new to the group and I got so excited because I worked with Sam Mags on this book. Hi, Sam. It's Chris C. Uh, my question oh is, my gosh, hi. if you could do... <laughs> <laughs> His question is, if you could do the same treatment for any other Marvel superheroes, who would you want to write? Thank you so much. This is a great question. So first of all, Chris was one of our wonderful scientist consultants on the book. Uh, She helped make sure that all of the science that I put in there was actually real because I have a master's degree in English language and literature and not physics. So (laughs) it was important that we got someone uh, who actually knows what they're talking about to look over this. So that was great. Um, And I, I have so many different answers to this. uh, But 
I really want to do a Kitty Pride book. I mm. feel like a Kitty Pride boarding school situation is like really lends itself well to YA. I also would really love to write a book about Aurora because she's a Canadian superhero. I am Canadian and she has dissociative identity disorder, which I think would be very interesting to write about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I'm a huge fan of Squirrel Girl. I'm a huge fan of Spider-Gwen and I love Captain Marvel. I always want to write more Captain Marvel. Um, so any of any of those folks. Many good would, options. Yeah, that's the great thing about the Marvel Universe, I think, uh, is that there are so many different, wonderful, interesting superheroes. It really, the more that we focus on these different characters, the more that we see that everyone can be a superhero and is allowed to be their own superhero, no matter who they are, no matter where they come from. Um, I think that's really important to to see represented on the page and on the screen for folks. That actually leads quite nicely into Richard's question. Nice. Uh, he says, when writing in the well-established world of Spider-Man, the story worked well for a video game structure and was original. Considering the existing current media of Marvel Spider-Man movies and the excellent end of the Spider-Verse, what was the process to create a new story that was different and interesting from the previous and current works? Ooh. That's a great question. So I didn't work on the base game of Spider-Man. I worked on the downloadable content, the DLC. Um, I also was not part of the team that worked on the recently announced Miles Morales game, although I was like at the studio at the time. Um, And essentially what that process looks like is really similar to what the process looks like for creating a story at any video game studio, which is basically like a ton of iteration and input. You know, the writers will get together um, and come up with some ideas themselves. But coming up with a video game story involves, you know, making sure that the lead level designer is involved, the creative director, the lead environment artist, the lead artist, and then also your IP holders. So in this case, like Marvel, but that might be Sony or Star Wars, or depending on who you're working with, you know, whoever owns that that license will also want to be involved in the publisher, like a Sony or an Xbox or a Nintendo will also want to be involved. So there's a ton of cooks in the kitchen on something like this. These games are, you know, make millions upon millions of dollars. They also cost millions upon millions of dollars and can take, you know, up to six years to create. So you're trying to serve a lot of different masters, but you're also still trying to tell a really strong story and whatever that is at the beginning of the development process will almost always be different than what it ends up being at the end of the development process because you learn a lot just through the actual creation of the game and that really informs things so for me in video games the best thing you can be is really like fluid and open to change you have to learn to kind of Uh, kill your darlings or not be precious about stuff very quickly because things change all the time and it's usually for the better so Mm. yeah I can't speak directly to that specific process but um, game making is a lot of iteration it sounds like you really like the 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 rules and restrictions of working a lot some authors don't like to work with other IP because they don't want to have those restrictions but it sounds like you see them as a challenge as just the rules of the game to play is that fair to characterize it that way it's funny people ask me that all the time like oh don't you feel limited like working Uh in this box or don't you find it constraining and i like the box like for me there's nothing more daunting than sitting down and looking at a blank piece of paper and knowing that i can write anything about anyone like to me that is 
absolutely terrifying (laughs) and like (laughs) paralyzing almost with working with IP is great because it's almost like writing what I think is really great about writing fan fiction. And I come from Mm -hmm. that world of fandom, which is that there's so much of it that you already know is like established fact. Like when I'm writing for Captain Marvel, you know that she's tough and she's a badass, but she's a little too independent and maybe she's not very sociable. And like, you know, all these true things about her, like Peter Parker will always be sassy. And like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like there are these things that are universal truths about them, but then you get to work within the constraints of that to tell whatever kind of story you want and to have that character learn whatever kind of lesson you want them to learn that maybe you haven't seen represented before. So it's a real opportunity to not get bogged down in the like, Oh my gosh, who is this character? But to focus more on the, like the maybe relationships or the story that you're telling or the character development you want to get into it. Like it's a nice almost starting point. And also like, I'm a huge nerd (laughs) and fan. So being able to write for Marvel is like, a dream obviously <laughs> you know like beyond their like craft answer it's like really cool and I feel very lucky but um yeah I I, I like the box I do I like that uh, if, if we weren't just if we weren't gonna call this interview with Sam Meggs as the title I think learn to love the box would be a great title for this episode I like that absolutely <laughs> yeah so Sam thank you so much for being here this was a really fun interview where where can all of our listeners follow your work online and all of your other writings Oh, absolutely. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Just my name, Sam Maggs, S-A-M-M-A-G-G-S. I have a website. I have a bunch of other books coming out this year and Unstoppable Wasp just came out. So please do pick it up if you get the chance. And thank you guys so much for having me. This was so much fun. Of course. We'll have to talk again when the next time you do a a project you want to share. I mean, there's there's so much to learn. (laughs) I'd love that. Amazing. And to all of you out there, our show is entirely funded by you, our wonderful patrons. Thank you so much to folks who back our show. If you want to learn more, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about, like Sam Mag's books, for instance, at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email feedback at Sword and Laser. All of our discussion happens over on goodreads.com slash Sword and Laser. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Sword and Laser, making it easy for you. And you can always call and leave us voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!